You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Play call. Play call. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show, the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, feel free to do so. The number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. Um, Also, we are doing this live, and I am going to right now open up the phone lines. Actually, forgot to turn that off yesterday. I was sitting here, and um, Garrett called in. I was like, what the heck is that noise? It's like, oh, it's my uh, Google Voice going off. So I had to turn that off. Anyways, uh, I guess we will just... I'm just trying to delay here to get some more people in here. Going on, Elevated Shine. Uh, we'll start off with Mr. Nico. Ryan, 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 Ryan. What did I do? Let me help you out. This is Nico. I didn't do it. Take a deep breath. I don't want to. And then let it out. I don't want to. Breathe in. Shut up. Breathe it out. Some people say it helps you hold it in. I don't know. That might be a different application. But whatever. Uh-huh. Okay. Just calm down. Just I, I know. I know. You just want you just want it so bad that when it doesn't look perfect, like our brain freaks out. I get it. I'm there. I feel like I'm fine. I think I'm doing okay. But you know what? I, I, I You just mentioned that today was a bad day for the offense. No, there's no bad practice days for offense. You know what? If there's no bad days, there's no good days. So let's not start, Nico. Because the great ones, they have a bad day and they learn from it. So, yeah, increased season. Overthrow Musgrave. Pull one to, to Watson. No, see, that, that doesn't work. That works for interceptions. If you throw into double coverage or something, you're trying it out and it didn't work. An overthrow is not a learning experience. It's not like, let me see if I can throw it way too hard for some random reason. No, he's trying to throw it to the person and he missed. There's there's a difference between like, I'm trying a new concept. I'm trying like a different arm angle. I'm trying all these different things to see if I can do it. And then there's like, I'm standing here looking at a guy and it sails over his head. That's just a, that's just bad accuracy. So... I listen. I'm not overreacting to this. 
Again, I'm just taking the data that's available. All the good is very good. All the bad is very bad. Okay, that's it. All the good is good. All the bad is bad. I'm n I've never once said that that means that everything is a disaster. But I'm hearing a lot of just kind of absurd excuses for just bad football play. Bad is just bad. And nobody seems to be able to accept that. He's making mistakes. I'm I, Again, I cannot sit here and brag about a guy for all the good stuff he does. And then every time he does something bad, just go, oh, it doesn't count. It doesn't. It does. he, he overthrew that because it's preseason and he was trying to work on his craft. Like, that's silly. That's silly. You know what? That's cool. You just get that out now because... And the whole getting it out of his system thing, like, that's not, I don't think that's a thing. I mean, if it was a thing, it would have happened a couple times and then stopped happening, but it's not, it hasn't stopped happening. So again, it's just a data input. I got a pile of data. What do I do with it? He's was started off the camp overthrowing people, underthrowing too far this way, that way. And he did that all week. And then the next week, he did it all week. And then the next week, he did it all week. And he did it in the pre in the training camps against the Bengals and he did it in the preseason game against the Bengals and then the next week he did it all week and then he did it against the I don't know I, don't, I think he did it against the Patriots I don't remember so to look at all that and be like oh he just has to get it out of his system so what it, it's like this exact period of time is exactly how long it takes to get these 40 overthrows out of his system and then week one boom he is just pinpoint accurate that, that that's not a rational thought in my opinion you, you you can just borrow my confidence. I know we got another good one. I'm not saying he's Aaron Rodgers, but I'd say he's going to be above average. I think I even see a difference the way Coach LeFleur acts. Mm -hmm. One freaking game without Rodgers. And look, the entire team is motivated. They're flying around like lasers. They're knocking passes away. And I know Cardigan Valentine had a great game, but hey, you know, we'll kill Cardigan people. Valentine. Remember how good Josh Jones was in preseason? Yeah. So just calm down. Just let it let it happen. I hope he's good. If nothing else, he'd be a good number four. I mean, if if he ends up being good, and 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 watch his face comes back with his Liz Frank surgery, and he's close where he was. That's four good cornerbacks. That's insane. So just let the process happen. Borrow my confidence. I am confident. Like I said, I think. God, just literally one game without Rodgers. Look at the team. They're motivated, psyched. They want to be there. Coaches calling good plays. This is freaking preseason. Rodgers was like a, 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 a snake, just squeezing the life out of the entire organization, the coaches, the players, and trust me, especially the ones that were here the last few years, like Jones, kind of a box. He's in his own little world, but he'll be a good left tackle for his own sake. But I know the ones that have been here, they want to prove so bad that, yeah, Rodgers is good, but guess what? So are we. So just let it happen. Let him, let him, let him miss Musgrave on a, on a cross. Remember, he hit Watson on a cross against Philly. So good things, you know, happen. It's all going to be just breathe in, breathe out. Don't be afraid. I want to help you. Go back, go, and breathe in, and breathe out. Okay, go back up. And, and again, the other problem with that is you have to assume everybody's great. If I, if I can't sit here and say Jordan Love is having struggles and it's concerning me, then I can't be concerned about anybody for the exact same reasons. 
and I have to adopt your confidence in whether it be Anders Carlson or anybody else. And the fact of the matter is, most of the guys that come into the league are not good. So I'd be wrong more often than I'd be right. I'm not sitting here saying I think Jordan Love is going to be bad. All I'm saying is, there's good stuff over here, there's bad stuff over here. I'm going to acknowledge both of them. I'm not going to say, yay, good stuff, and oh, that doesn't count. I think that's nonsense. And so I'm not hyperventilating. I'm just acknowledging reality as it is. Ryan! Okay, I went back to the podcast. By the way, Nico's got five calls, so I have very much upset him, apparently. Yes, you're still going. I get it. As far as the kicker goes, let's say he's trash. It's it's fine. We know we're not going to the Super Bowl this year, right? It's fine. It's just chill, dude. Who cares if we don't have a kicker? Missouri misses some kicks. Eh. I mean, we'll be happy if we make the playoffs. But if the dude, if the dude, you know, half the season in is still trash, we we'll just get another one. This is almost like a makeup. Just like a do-over year. This is a year where guys like Jaden Reed and some other rookies, and we could, you know, Zach Tom and the center that we have that for some reason is worse every day. He was name I forgot. Bryce Newman. Is that it? I don't know. This is their year. They got to just think around and see what they can do. And hey, after this year, we'll just get born. If our kicker stinks, we'll get another one. Let's just, let's just, you know, hope that Richie Pistachio or whatever his name is, Jalapio, Jalopy, yeah, can, uh, can do what he did to this kicker that he's done to other kickers. Dude's got a cannon for a leg. Let's hope he can fix the stuff. Hey, if it takes half a season, that's fine. This season's a wash. Anyways, I know. We just got to beat the Bears. That's really all that matters. So as long as we beat the Bears, I'm cool. And then we'll fix the kicker by like we Having a good kicker would make it easier to beat the Bears, I'm just saying. And, and we're good. We, you know, we're good. Just just breathe in, breathe out, all that stuff. Go back, go, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I mean, generally I agree with all that in terms of this being sort of an evaluation year. I've talked about that before. We'll see what we have. But part of that evaluation is finding out who is good and who is not good. There is that category of some people are going to be not good and will need to be replaced. And Jordan Love is one of those guys that has the potential to be not good, even though I do think he's going to get another year next year, almost no matter what, unless it's a complete disaster and we're actually picking high enough to get one of the premier guys. That would be when it becomes a question. But um yeah, I, I think that that's true. We have to find out what we have. Do we have a strength at wide receiver? Do we have a strength? I mean, we're probably not drafting wide receiver tight end anyways just because of the youth, but offensive line, defensive line, et cetera, et cetera. We'll find out what we do have, what we don't have, and we'll go from there. But I still would like guys to be good. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I appreciate your optimism about every single situation. I think that's probably a healthier – you'll probably live longer than I will. But um, I yeah I, I generally just prefer when when people are good and I tend to get frustrated when people are not good, you know. I'm kind of weird that way, I guess. I did seven calls. Wow, <laughs> I thought it was like three. Heck, I might have whipped out the guitar and sang you another song. Man, oh, man. I tell you. Well, uh, hey, it is what it is. You know what? Uh, I got more drunkness in me in the future, so I'm cool with that. But uh, <clears throat> hey, uh, go pick go. And uh, uh, yeah, go back up. Okay, thank you. Oh, and I just had to say, was it Nate that said that called him Mason Crossbar? <laughs> it, 
I was driving down the road when I heard that. I was swerved into oncoming traffic. I was laughing so hard. Nate, thank you. If it was Nate, my memory sucks. But if it was you, thank you. But try not to kill me. I mean, I guess that would be my fault, ultimately. But hey, that was Mason freaking crossbar. <laughs> I don't, I don't find it to be an accurate name, but um, it works. It kind of it kind of rolls off the tongue, I guess. Okay. Um, okay. They let's just do mentioned this. Tyler Davis. Am I the only one? I get it. He was a special teams guy. And he blocked good. Yeah, yeah. But am I the only one? Really not that. I mean, it's a bummer to see him get hurt. I don't want to see anyone get hurt, Packer or non-Packer. Mm-hmm. But I understand it happens. Um, I mean, like, I almost see this as. We'll just get some youngins out there. I mean, I feel like, sure, he was a good blocker, but I believe his receiving qualities were a little bit plateaued. Uh, Limited. I just, I just think we we should just throw in Kraft in there, make him block. But, well, I think he can block. Uh, I just I just almost see it as kind of good for the younger guy. I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's good for the younger guys from a standpoint of – forcing them to do things i think it's bad from a standpoint of musgrave and Kraft look terrible as far as blockers and tyler davis was actually doing a good job so having that mercedes lewis blocking attribute looks like it may be kind of a disaster unless and until tucker Kraft can kind of start playing better um i think that's essentially what we lost because again tyler davis was was seemingly standing out in that role and was the only one I, I guess I was just so down on him because they they pumped him up. Remember how much they pumped yeah. up Tyler Davis? And he was trash last preseason. Yeah, like he was the next Gronk, and the dude came in and was absolute trash. And he became a good special teams player, but to me, that's like eh. Those are a dime a dozen, right? Uh, I want to see a guy who can not make humongous mistakes during a real game that matters and uh, catch the ball and stuff. I don't know. I'm not as broken up about it as apparently everyone is. Who and everyone who's broken up about him hated this guy a year ago. But whatever. Uh, I think it might be a blessing to disguise. Let our young dudes go out there, who whose ceiling we don't know. They could have a way higher ceiling. So uh, yeah, that's. I just had to throw that out there. Yeah, well, Musgrave is is going to be the primary receiver. Tucker Kraft seems to be a major work in progress right now. He hasn't really been able to show much as a receiver and apparently hasn't been able to show much as a blocker. So to your point that he's going to have to step it up and, and uh, get a really tough crash course, that definitely seems to be the case. But again, I just think the team as a whole is going to be missing out on somebody that was excelling in that one area that I don't think we really have anybody else. Josiah doesn't seem to be that guy. Maybe they'll see if Henry Pearson can kind of fit that role in a little bit as a, as a blocker, or maybe Austin Allen, who's a big dude. I don't know, but it'll be something to kind of keep an eye on in terms of, is there anybody including Tucker Kraft that can kind of step up and be that um, inline blocker. So definitely going forward, PFF grades notes from camp. That'll be something to watch. Packy, Rambo here. Going on. A um, couple things. Uh, Liv Shriver is probably an A-minus, B-plus sister. Hmm. But um, it led me to a great thing. He is he stars in a great show called Ray Donovan. It's on Showtime. Called what? Um, Ray Donovan? Seven seasons long. Um, they're like a organized crime family that run like a boxing gym. Um, Not Ray Donovan. It's a really good show. I recommend you check it out. Um, secondly, 
Anytime I'm on like Pandora or YouTube or the podcast and I get an ad that says, Johnny so-and-so, serial entrepreneur and so and whatever, it just makes me think of a bullshitter. I can't believe anybody refers to himself as a serial entrepreneur in a serious way. He must be, I, just, I guess. I, I don't know. didn't think that was a real thing. Um, it is. I mean, In fact, I think it's kind of common for entrepreneurs. It's kind of a uh, attribute, you know. They're, they're constantly in the pursuit of building a new thing. Isn't an entrepreneur an entrepreneur? <clears throat> killer is a killer unless you're a serial killer. That's a bad thing. <laughs> can't stop killing. I don't know what... I don't know what we're talking about. You can't right stop now. entrepreneuring. <laughs> Trying to just an entrepreneur. But an unsuccessful one? Well, I don't know. He doesn't specify that. I don't it know. might be better to specify the successful entrepreneur as opposed because I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur, except everything I do sucks. So, but, you know, I would assume the serial entrepreneur brags about it because he's good at it. I don't know. I'm not sure. I haven't really delved into that. Didn't feel it was my business to do so, but we we could we could start uh, and start diving in, either by asking him, or we just ignore his calls and start building up our own conspiracy theories and ideas about what he maybe does or or means by these things, and uh, see what we can come up with. I don't know, I don't know. It's your show. You guys do what you want. And then I just imagine those, like a workout video that Michael Scott would put together. You know. Just buzzwords. Heat. Power. Excitement. Those are words. Serial entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, anyhow, that Wilson guy's pretty good. Runs fast, runs far. Talk to you later, bud. He had a good six carries against a backup defense. That's what, what we know so far. We'll see if that can continue. Um and if it does, maybe he has a shot at doing something. Either way, it was a cool, I guess, experience for him and for us to be able to watch it. Hey, Ryan, a lot of discussion about Carlson, the kicker. Yeah. Um, I agree with everything. Like, we're not going to just flat out cut the guy we drafted him. Um, he'd have to be really bad for us to do that. I mean, what that line is, I don't know. But I guess my, my question I'm thinking is, at what, if he is, doing very poorly, let's say he's at like 50%, uh, 50, or like 50 to 75% PAT percentage. Is it more likely uh, we cut him if he's really bad at PATs or more likely that we just start going for two? Um, mm. Before, I feel like we probably just start going for two for, oh, more often over him. Um, I just don't see that as a valuable option anytime this year, unless, like I said, he's terrible. So, uh, just what do you think? What's more likely? Cut or... It becomes a mathematical equation, I guess, especially if they do what they've been doing so far, which is being quite good in the red zone. Um, You know, you kind of calculate freaking the easiest kick that is available to kickers, then um, you got to at least consider moving on, I would think. I think at that point you move on. Otherwise, if you're going to stick with them, like, no, no, he's our guy, fine, then kick the freaking ball and get the extra point, would I guess be my thought. Hey, Ryan. It's Aaron. Hey, man. Coming from Eau Claire. Going on. Uh, I've uh, really enjoyed uh, all the talk about Emmanuel Wilson. I wanted to 
throw a, a comment out there, which is sometimes it's on uh, the Packers, which could be, you know, could be league-wide, kind of obvious to, or at least what the fans think of as obvious. Uh, you know, so, sometimes that's a draft pick um, where, you know, everyone seems to, con- to think that there, there should be one person like, Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, where everyone's going, you know, this is the obvious pick, this is the obvious pick, and then they go with Lucas Van Ness. Um, I don't think that's the best example, but um, with Emmanuel Wilson, you know, if he, if he can do it again and prove that he's making plays, it's almost like, yes, I know they've had uh, some of these other running backs for a little bit longer and maybe have built trust with them and have like a track record of, of to support their faith in them and everything. But sometimes it's like, look at the production out there. Like how obvious, how much more obvious does, does Emmanuel Wilson have to make himself to, uh, to prove that, you know, he's, he's been doing more than these other running backs, at least in terms of being a, just a pure uh, playmaker. So, I don't know. I'll be interested to see how that plays out in the next couple of preseason games. Um, Because, you know, sometimes as a fan, you're like, I mean, is it not obvious that this guy's, you know, doing more impressive things than these other two guys? Obviously, they have other things on their checklist, like special teams, abilities, and blocking, and who knows what else. But, um, but as a fan, I'd love to see Emmanuel Wilson on the team if he can keep doing what he's doing. And uh, then you kind of have the, you know, the, the confidence that if something were to happen to one of our other running backs, uh, Aaron or AJ, that you might have a chance at um, having a third running back who can actually step up and really, you know, make some plays in the, on the offense. Well, I've got several thoughts, and I forgot half of them in that period of time, which is why I need to do a better job of just pausing as we go. But, um, I mean, first of all, you mentioned, like, what more does he need to do? Well, kind of a lot, because he actually hasn't done very much, right? Again, in that preseason game, it was six carries. So, you know, there have been a lot of guys over the years that have had fantastic off-seasons that don't even make the 53, and they never go on to have fantastic careers anywhere. It's just the preseason. Right. And and they the point is that the stuff that they're looking for isn't necessarily like these big plays. Like, okay, that was a cool play and all, but like there's a lot of nuance in terms of do you understand what you're doing? Do you understand your roles and your assignments and all that kind of stuff? Beyond that, though, the bigger point for Emmanuel Wilson, you talked about him being the biggest playmaker. Number one, we don't necessarily know that. Again, very limited sample size, and he was going up against like the lowest version of the opponent's defense that was out there. But all that other stuff that you mentioned that we don't know is actually what they care about the most. They care the least about his rushing ability and the most about his receiving, his blocking, and special teams. And those are the things that he hasn't yet proven, mostly because he hasn't had opportunities, but you assume that they're going to start giving him opportunities as we go. But that's that's really the most important thing to them. And as far as the draft and, and, and all that stuff, you know, I, I don't think I would say that because of what he did, 
you know, we should expect him to be anywhere near Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon. But that's not really the job he's fighting for. It's the number three job he's fighting for, which makes it more likely that he can make it. But again, if we're just fighting for that number three role, not actually trying to be the next Aaron Jones, then we need to change our expectations to what we need for the number three. And that's when we get back to those other things. So um, I, I think if he continues to be a really good running back, but doesn't have those other components, fans are going to be really upset and really disappointed because he's not going to make the 53. He'll end up on the practice squad and he won't get stolen. I don't believe that he will. Despite, you know, the claims that of course he will because he's so good. Um, because I, I, again, I just think that um, what they're really going to be looking for is those other things. And, and, and if he doesn't show it, then he's not going to get the job plain and simple. But I don't even know that he can do that consistently. First of all, almost impossible that he does that again. He was the number one running back. He broke, you know, a couple really big runs. Um, unbelievably unlikely that he's able to replicate that level of success. So the question becomes, you know, is he good at all? And if so, how good? Because obviously that was kind of fluky and that's not going to happen again. So we'll, we'll have more time. We'll, we got two more preseason games to kind of see what he can do. But again, the most important thing to keep an eye on for Emmanuel Wilson is how many snaps and special teams are they giving him? How is he performing on special teams? Is he getting any opportunities to block for the quarterback? How is he performing? And then is he being used as a receiver? And how is his how are his abilities? How are his hands and and understanding route concepts and all those kinds of things? Not that we can necessarily see that from our couch, but I think that's going to be more important to taking the job if there is an RB three role. Um, that would be the most important thing in terms of actually winning that job. Um, why don't we take a break? We're kind of at the close to the 30 minute mark. So we'll take a break right here. We'll get to AA Ron from Eau Claire's second question. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. One more thought. Um, I, uh, I'm also really hopeful that our team can take a more uh, defensive identity um, than it has in the past. Because uh, kind of like you've been saying, you know, the, the whole thing of like, well, if Aaron Rodgers can't, you know, get it done, and if he gives up, then the rest of the team gives up. Uh, it, you know, it, it's bothered all of us, right? Like, I know as fans, we've all sat there going, what's going on here? Um, and some of my favorite, um, some of my favorite classic games in recent years, like in terms of Super Bowls and playoff games, have been just bruisers, like defensive battles, you know? Um, one of my favorite Super Bowls was when the Denver Broncos won with Peyton Manning uh, because their defense was just so solid. You know, they had great quarters, great pass rush, uh, and they were just able to shut down. I can't even remember who the other team was, but um, it was just its such a beautiful thing because it, uh, it relies on such skill and such – discipline and such teamwork um, and obviously the offense does too but I think for a defense to really be firing on the all cylinders is just a kind of a fun uh, fun thing to watch you know um, another one I, I know a lot of fans don't see this the way I see it but I love defense I love defensive games um, I love 10 to 7 or 10 to 3 get kinds of games because I just feel like, you know, if I were a defensive player, like I, I would take pride in like shutting, shutting stuff down, you know, and uh, a lot of the, the defensive philosophies of like, oh, sure, just let them get, you know, get them to get a lot of yards, but then shut them down at the goal line and limit them to field goals. I'd probably kind of be kind of angry at this. I was letting that happen too often. Um, if I was if I was a professional football player, because uh, and I think that's where where a lot of players that are elite kind of make their money is Jair Alexander. He obviously takes a huge amount of pride in shutting down Justin Jefferson of the Vikings. You know that was an awesome performance to watch last season when he just shut down Justin Jefferson. And he did the gritty and made fun of him and everything. It was just so satisfying. So I hope our team can get there. And uh, yeah, like no think. Yeah, I think elevated shine in the comments kind of illustrates what um, my thought would be, and that is I prefer seventy-seven zero. Which is to say, I mean, everybody wants their defense to perform at a level in which they're scoring single digits, you know, on the other side, but. The problem with low-scoring games is it means your your offense sucks. <laughs> so, I mean, I understand from your viewing point of view, like that's more enjoyable. You'd rather see that than the fifty to fifty-two football games. But um, 
I mean, yeah, that's that's everybody's goal is to have a, a really good defense. It's going to help our offense from the standpoint of lowering the bar. You know, some I mean that that was, you know, the 2018 Chicago Bears. Their defense was allowing like 16 points a game. So if the offense got to 20, it was it was lights out. So, um, you know, that allowed Mitch Trubisky to get that team into the playoffs and, you know, double doink away from moving on and who knows how far they could have taken that thing. But, um, yeah, we, we I don't want to say we're going to need that because I don't know. Maybe we're going to have a great offense, but every every team desires to have that. It's just going to make it a lot easier. It's going to translate to more wins because. I mean, our offense is going to score X amount of points in each one of these games. The question is, how many is the opponent's team going to score? So the lower that is, the more wins you get. And, you know, it's pretty straightforward, I guess. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I hope that's the case. I hope I, I personally don't like low-scoring low games. I always hated it. I remember it was always like the NFC and AFC thing, at least in my recollection growing up. And, of course, as Packer fans, we like the NFC, so we watched it on Fox, and you like the Fox music, and the picture always came in more clear. And then you'd, like, switch to the AFC broadcast on, like, Channel 2 or something stupid. And it's all like bleached out and garbage. And the score was all, it was always like Bengals versus, you know, Raiders. And the score was three to six. And it's like, oh, turn it off. Just go back to the commercials. I'd rather watch the commercials. It's stupid. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's more my style, I guess. But of course, we would definitely like to have a really good defense. What's going on, Ryan? It's Emilio. Going on, Mike. Um, I just got done listening to the Sunday, Monday. Uh, insights and thoughts of training camp and I uh, had been watching the locker room interviews last night and it got me thinking it's probably way deep in the weeds um, but do you think that the Packers would not allow uh, players to be interviewed if they aren't going to make the 53 you know maybe not right at the beginning of the uh, you know training camp offseason but moving forward after the first game, second, third, are those locker room interviews just going to be, uh, you know, allowed for players that are actually going to make the team? I'm probably deep in the weeds, but I just wanted to hear your thoughts. I love what you do. Appreciate it, man. I'm guessing you're trying to like find that that little thing where it's like, ooh, he must be making it because they're letting him letting him interview. But uh, I wouldn't think so. I don't know how that works. I don't know if it's, you know, they get to decide which locker they walk up to. I kind of feel like that's how it works. Uh, you know, as opposed to the podium, you know, it's all locker room stuff. So I feel like they can just walk up to whoever they want. So, for example, let's say a guy is unlikely to make the team, let's say Deuce Watts or something, and Deuce Watts just blows it up in a preseason game. The Packers are like 95% sure there's no way he's going to make it, but the media wants to go talk to him. I don't think, I don't know. I've never been in there. I don't know how the rules are and everything. I don't think there would be anything where they would go up to him and just say, listen, here's a list of guys, just random list of names who, of course, are all the low. It's like Nate McCrary and Deuce Watts and Dre Miller and, you know, Cole Schneider and whatever. And, uh, hey, yeah, just just don't interview these guys if you wouldn't mind. Again, maybe that's a thing, but I wouldn't think so. Hey, Ryan, um, I'm just thinking, uh, I was back at the preseason stats for the first game. I didn't see any stats for Kenneth Odumegwu, the international player we got. I kind of expect him to be out there in the preseason. You know, he hasn't had any opportunities like this, obviously, coming from internationally. It's like, be good to see what he has. Uh, I don't know if I missed something. Did you notice he'll be out there at all? Um, hoping to see him out here in the next couple of weeks. Just to, you know, no high expectations, but, you know, it'd be good to 
get him on the field and just see. Um, anyway, go back up. Let me see with Mr. Kenneth Odomegwu and what happened with him. 2023 preseason, please, you dummy. All right. Um, so he played 12 snaps, four of them run defense, eight as a pass rusher. He had zero pressures on those eight attempts, 51.4 PFF grade, which would make him the fifth lowest graded. Um actually ahead of Lucas Van Ness and Devontae Wyatt, which is obviously sad, and apparently our number two safety, Jonathan Owens, who had a 35 PFF grade, which is about as bad. By the way, <laughs> freaking, let me just look at something, because I, I think this might be correct. I want to look at, shoot, I can't really do it. I'm pretty sure that our two starting safeties were like the worst two safeties in uh, <laughs> in the NFL last year. Really quick here. Doopy doopy do. Scrolling, scrolling. Uh, yeah, there, there they were. So there's three that were lower. But Darnell, so out of 96, Jonathan Owens was 92nd. Darnell Savage was 93rd. So Jonathan Owens having a bad week. I don't know why. I don't know why he's our starter. I really don't. I think it's going to be a disaster. I know that wasn't your question, but yeah, that's, that's what Kenneth did. It was a pretty um, uh, low results kind of a day. Let me see if there was any kind of was there a tackle or anything? Um, Kenneth, here he is. Zeros all across the board. Not a thing. No tackles. No missed tackles. No stops. Force fumbles. No targets and coverage. Nothing. Straight zeros all the way across the board. So 12 snaps is all I got for you. Hola, Senor Ryan. Hola, sir. Got a question for you. All righty. I need sense. you. Well, I can ask that, I guess. Uh, I need you okay. to tell me yeah. the best way for each member of the NFC North to get into the playoffs. Or I go one step further and be the division leader going into the playoffs. Because out of, out of all four teams, there's not a single one that I can point out to be like, oh yeah, they're a step above the rest. Like, you know how there's a couple of divisions where you know who's probably going to get in. Football, as you know, is a very fluid, uh, unpredictable beast. And so you can't say for sure on any specific thing. However, I'm curious to see uh, how you would plot out uh, a course for each member of the NFC North to be the top of the division by the end of the season. Because it's possible. Yeah. I like to rag on the Bears. I don't think they're going to be anywhere near the top of the division. I think they're going to be dead last, but it's possible. Never say never. All right. That's your task. I'm going to be happy to hear it later. Bye. Well, for the Packers, it's it's as easy as Jordan Love. I mean, that's really all it comes down to because everything else is in place. The defense is there. Uh, the weapons are all there. The running backs are there. The offensive line is there. They have everything they need. They just need Jordan Love to be a decent quarterback, and I think that they can get in. Um, I mean, the Vikings did it last year. And again, we could talk about regression, but um, you know, they did lose a decent amount of pieces, but they added a couple. They've also got some second-year guys, those two DBs that I think could really improve. I, don't, I think they were both actually injured most or all of last year anyways, uh, seen and uh, what's his name? So, I mean, they just have to basically replicate what they did. And if you look at it, they have one of the worst defenses in football. They already have a 
pretty scary offense and that was very inconsistent. I think their offense should have been better than it was. It's kind of, I mean, it's second year in the system also for the quarterback and everything else. And if you watch that quarterback series, you saw how much he struggled with trying to understand the offense and those kinds of things. So I don't think it's hard to picture or paint a picture for the Vikings to get in. Um, the Lions were knocking on the door and they won, what was it, like eight of their last or 10 of their last eight or something like, or eight of the last 10, 10 of the last eight, good Lord. So, I mean, they're they're obviously on fire. The biggest thing for them is defense. I don't think that they've made massive improvements, but, you know, they went from some horrifically bad DBs, for example, to at least setting the floor a little bit higher. You got Aiden Hutchinson going into year two. Um, they're going to have to try to replicate that offensive success, which I don't know how they even had as much offensive success as they did. But if they can, again, relatively easy path. The Bears are the only ones that are a little bit tough. Because you could look at it and say, well, it's the same as the Packers. They just need a, a, the quarterback to be better. Well, according to them, the quarterback's already great, and it, they failed because of everything. In fact, they had a great quarterback, and they only won three games. So that's not going to be good enough, at least according to Bears fans. Um, but even if the quarterback does take a step, because let's be realistic for a second, Justin Fields is not good at football. Um, horrifically bad passer. I don't believe the offensive line has really improved from a pass blocking standpoint. It's almost the exact same crew. You have a rookie. Maybe he's going to be great. That would be an upgrade, but he also is a rookie and usually they're not great. And Nate Davis is not a very good pass blocker. So they didn't really upgrade that. Um, so I think, you know, the Justin Fields would have to improve. The offensive line would have to at least marginally improve. DJ Moore would have to be a major factor for their offense above and beyond what the other guys are that are already there and were terrible last year. And I think the defense would need to at least be adequate, considering they were the 32nd ranked defense by numerous metrics, at least get in the top 20. So Justin Fields needs to be a top 20 quarterback, which would be a big jump for him. The defense would need to be top 20. DJ Moore would need to be, you know, top 15-ish, I would say. Um, the offensive line needs to be quite, I mean, I don't even know what metrics to use because most metrics actually said the offensive line actually wasn't that bad, but that's the Bears fans' excuse. So we have to pretend that it was really bad so that we can say that they need to get much better, even though they didn't get much better. So, yeah, I think I think the hardest path is for the Chicago Bears. It really is because they just don't have any of the infrastructure. Everybody assumes, oh, no, it's the Packers because the Bears have a quarterback and the Packers don't. No, that's not true. The Bears do not have a quarterback. The Packers might have a quarterback. We don't know. We have to wait and see. But at, at, at best, they're the exact same situation at quarterback. But the rest of the roster, it's not even close. It really isn't. There's a couple of positions like linebacker, safety, maybe wide receiver, but I really don't think so. Maybe tight end, but I really don't think so. Um, but everything else, I don't even think it's debatable. The running backs, clearly Packers. Offensive line is clearly Packers. Defensive line, clearly Packers. Edge rushers, clearly Packers. Cornerbacks, clearly Packers. I mean, the most important positions... Uh, pass rush coverage, I think wide receiver, offensive line, probably quarterback. We'll see. You know, if Justin Fields took a big leap, you know, it's certainly possible that they could get in. And and again, Fields is the biggest thing. If he can run like he did last year and and be able to throw and DJ Moore as a factor, I mean, it, it could be a scary team. But like I've said before, their ceiling is basically already what the Vikings are. They already have. I mean, he's not going. DJ Moore is not going to be as good as Justin Jefferson. I, I would doubt, I mean, at best, Justin Fields maybe becomes a Kirk Cousins because Cousins is actually a pretty adequate, pretty decent top 10 quarterback. Um, they're not going to have as good of an offensive line. 
I don't think they're going to have as good of a defense, although it's, you know, the battle of mid, if you will. Um, tight ends, probably not as good. Maybe they have a better running back group. I don't know. But yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a tough road for the uh, Chicago Bears, honestly. Hey, Brian, it's Jersey Mike. Oh, yeah. uh, so I'm listening to Packing It After Dark, and I forget who called in, but they said something about uh, Jordan Love learning to chew out his receivers. It was uh, Jason Wilde. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. And Jordan Love needs to do that. And, and I want to I wanna preface something. Um, no. <laughs> no, he does not. Right. Okay? At all. Whatsoever. Uh, actually, that's one of the things that I hated about Aaron Rodgers is that he just went up to everybody and started screaming at them and, and, and popping his mouth off, acting like, you know, he was going to go out there and teach them how to play wide receiver. Um, I, I don't know if anybody listens is from the military, but here's what I got to say. Okay. The guys that I know that serve, the guys that I know that are drill sergeants and whatever, in practice, yeah, they get on you. But when it comes down to it, real leaders know how to lead from the front, okay? And so a real leader is not going to go up to his receivers and pop his mouth off at them. A real leader is going to say, hey, guys, look, this is what we did wrong. This is why we did it wrong. This is where we need to, uh, to clean up. This is where we need to push harder. And this is where we need to back off. And they are going to go through a comprehensive strategy to fix the issue. I mean, there is literally a, I forget the name of the guide, but it's, it's like three steps on how to attain goals. Right, the, or, or how to how to attain a skill. The first step is the practical learning, right? So understanding the skill. The second is to practical application, right? So applying said skill, and then the third is to refine said skill, learn where your skill is failing, and to tighten it up. Okay. So a good leader is going to go out there and hold himself accountable and say, hey. Sucker crap. Come here for a second. Yeah, dude. Hey, hey, my bad on that ball. My name's Sean Clifford, by the way, real quick. My bad on that ball. I should have thrown it out a little bit in front of you. But at the same time, hey, you're six foot five, bro. I know you can reach out and pick yeah. that ball. I know you can grab that ball out of the air. That DB ain't as big as you, he ain't as tough as you. Go man him up. Go devour him. You a dog, bro. Get on it. Because the only time your guys are going to respond well is when you hype them up after you explain to them how they. Yeah, Jersey might call back to finish, but just jump in here in the middle. I mean, I there's no doubt in my mind that, um, and I've I've talked about this before. Aaron Rodgers was not a leader. He he just he wasn't. There there's no book in the world that details leadership that lays out what anything Rodgers did. There's nothing about eye-rolling and screaming at people and, and all this nonsense. There's nothing. The whole lead, again, lead by example is BS. Lead by example is nothing. It does, it's, not, it's not a thing. 
Yes, it is a prerequisite that you also have to do your job, but that's not leading. That's you just doing your job and then saying, I'm not going to do anything else, therefore leadership. That's so stupid. That's not my version of leadership. That's you abdicating your duty and your responsibility to be a leader on the team. That is nothing. I mean, Mr. Book Reader should have probably read a couple books on it to find out that, oops, nope, I'm actually not doing what I should be doing. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I didn't listen to Wildy. I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know what his whole thing was going to. Maybe, maybe he's just a big Rodgers guy. Maybe, maybe I misread it because I just assume everybody was anti-Rodgers in, in the, the major media um, landscape. But maybe he was just a big Rodgers guy. And so everything Rodgers did is great, and everything Jordan does is that isn't like Rodgers is stupid. He needs to be more like Rodgers. But I don't know how anybody could watch that, could watch him just you know, throw his hands up and shake his head in disgust and watch the receivers come back with their heads down and feel like that's the right thing to do. I, I just, I can't imagine that that's the thing. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, again, I have no idea what Jason Wildy was talking about. I didn't listen to it, but it's just, it's a silly comment in my opinion. Hey, it's Jersey Mike again. Um, I did not finish my statement. I don't know where I got cut off and it really wasn't too much left. Uh, to say, but I'm calling back again um, because the whole JTO Sullivan thing. I, I I just need to listen to the Packernet After Dark podcast all the way through before I call in because I, I want to respond to some of these things that people are saying um, myself. But uh, the whole you know missing Musgrave, rolling rolling left off the play action. Um, the problem is is that his feet were on the ground. It has nothing to do with what direction they were facing, quite frankly. Um, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why Jordan Love did this. I don't know why he was standing there and tried to set his seat before throwing. But uh, I, 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 anybody who is a righty, go outside, okay, and do a, a fake play action pass, the same exact one that Jordan did with a football. It doesn't matter what size all right, try to do it the way that Jordan did, all right? Set up a little target on the ground. Who gives a hell? All right, try to roll out to the left, you know, face your back towards the, the guys, roll out to the left, try to then establish set feet and then throw. Or continue running, pop your feet, a jump, give me a jump, throw the ball, who cares if you fall afterwards, take a little bit of a lump, or, or if you know you have decent balance, you know, catch yourself. But that is one thing that Aaron Rodgers did very well that I am very appreciative of. The man knew how to get his damn feet off the ground to throw some of those short, dirty passes, right? Um, you want to know who is the best at that, and it has nothing to do with football? An amazing... I think he played shortstop. I'm going to sound like an idiot now. But uh, Derek Jeter. Yeah. Derek freaking Jeter. That man, when he would scoop that ball up off the ground and he was trying to beat a runner in the first or second, he would pop his legs up. You'd see them go spread. He'd, and he'd just whip his whole body around. You know, all the torque was, was his abdomen, right? Just twisting his freaking abdomen. So, uh, yeah, I don't care about footwork on those things. I care about getting your feet off the ground, ripping that ball, and you're going to be accurate because that's how pros do it. Um, and I'm pretty sure that their teaching love to do that. So, anyway, go back up. 
Well, I'm a very visual person, so I, I, I'm trying to visualize what you're describing, and I have no idea what you're describing. Um, I will say that which way your feet are facing absolutely does matter. I mean, you know, you said go and practice it in the backyard. Go ahead and practice in the backyard. Point your body off to the right and then throw across your body to the left with your feet facing to the right. It's not a good idea. So, you know, whether you're hopping around or planting your feet, I, again, I, I don't know what the coaching point is on that or, or again, what specifically you're – I'll have to go watch Rodgers throw some passes, I guess. But, um, yeah, having your feet pointing to the right and throwing to the left is, is – your whole body is facing the wrong direction. It's hard to be accurate that way. I mean, that's – it's like a golf swing. is like anything else. I mean, that's – I don't know much about, uh, you know – teaching people how to play quarterback but that one is is entirely intuitive and um again that's that's i've heard everybody that's broke down film on quarterbacks talk about your feet pointing where you're going so um all right kyle from madison ryan kyle from madison what is up buddy? Oh, no, okay i have a comment and then a question for you you mentioned uh earlier in the week that you felt like the Packers were still a pretty big draw as far as interest. You know, mm -hmm. people curious about Jordan Love. Correct. And I, I think you are right. And here's my, here's my uh, evidence I'm going to present. So the first, uh, I think it was Monday, when the big weekly NFL shows were gearing up with their preseason weekend highlight packages, all of the major shows, you know, your Good Morning Football, your Sports Center, that had their weekend highlight packages all ready for Monday for people in the morning, um, all of them did this thing where when they go to their commercial breaks after the end of the, you know, the A block, I guess they call it, um, they have their little teaser, you know, still to come. And every one of them teased the Jordan Love Packers highlights like right away after the A block break and then didn't get to those. On, and then they kept teasing them every commercial. And then it would be like 10 minutes left in the show, even the three hour program, they wouldn't get to it till like the very end of the final hour, which tells me they're doing that on purpose because they're, they're drawing in viewers and those viewers are sticking around. So it's clearly a strategic move, you know, for marketing. I thought that was rather interesting. My question for you is, Maybe related, maybe not. I don't know. But with Colin Coward, I think he is a very smart guy. I mean, clearly, he, he's been intelligent with his career. But usually his takes aren't as stupid as what they are with Jordan Love. It's just not that he might not end up being right, but the way he's coming right. to these conclusions right. is just dumb. They're so absolute and will be easily proven or disproven. It just seems so dumb. Um you know, in a lot of ways, Jordan Love is still a Warshak test. You know, the um, the ink blot test where the psychologist shows you a nebulous ink blot. You say what you see, and of course, there's no wrong answers. It could, it's about what you have as a preconceived notion. And I think Love has still shown us a bit of each. So, like, everybody sees what they want still. But the way Coward is going so hard with these takes based on very little information. It just makes me wonder, like, what is your angle here, buddy? You're too smart to just be doing this. Maybe he just really is against him, but is there some strategic angle here or some 
way to get views, why he's pressing this so hard. That's what I'm wanting. All right. Talk to you later. Yeah, I think I think that's actually a good point with the uh, the whole inkblot Rorschach test, whatever it's called. Um because I do think that's what's going on. I, I think, and, and everybody kind of does that, right? I mean, just think Packers, Bears, how Packers fans react to Bears news and Bears. It's just whatever happens, it we find a way for it to conform to what it is we were already thinking, our preconceived notions and all that. So it does seem, and I don't, I don't even know how his operation works. If people do all the information digging for him and then they bring it to him and they say, hey, just read this or here's your opinion today or what. Um. But for him to take such little and garbage information and to take it to the point where Jordan Love, therefore, is bad is so obviously stupid. But it kind of makes sense because, again, what has the whole national media's narrative been? The Packers are screwed when Rodgers leaves. As a stupid thing to say, doesn't really make any sense, but that was the the just assumption. Like, you, you can't be good without Aaron Rodgers. And, and the most mind-numbingly stupid thing that anybody has ever said, which I've said a thousand times, is you weren't even a playoff team last year, and now Rodgers le- left, and now you're really screwed. Well, obviously that's stupid because Rodgers was a major reason why we were so crap last year because he broke his thumb and he played like garbage and he didn't try, he didn't care. So it all culminated into that. But the point is, the preconceived notion is that the Packers are going to be bad. And for whatever reason... That manifests. It's so weird how like these. It's almost like thought just kind of oozes. There's no like actual thought process of okay, this then this then this. It's not mechanical. It's not methodical. It just kind of oozes into different areas. Rogers left. Okay, Packers bad. Okay, Jordan Love. Packers bad. Then Jordan Love bad. And so it it just kind of like seeped into that with no logical connection from one to the other. It just kind of spread to that point. Because I, I I assume this thing, therefore this thing, even though it doesn't logically connect, therefore this thing, even though it doesn't logically connect. And so, yeah, so now we a lot of people have a preconceived notion that Jordan Love is not going to be good. We've seen that all over the place, and nobody really can back it up. And the things that they do are very flimsy, but they just refuse to. And I do think it comes from the fact that the Packers have to be bad now that Rodgers is gone. And it comes from there's no way you're getting three in a row, even though mathematically that makes no sense whatsoever. But it's just all these things culminate into, and again, nobody really thinks deeply about it because nobody's focused 100% on the Packers. They're national people. I think most of them even focus on other sports. I don't know if Colin does or not, but he's focused on 32 teams. So when it comes to the Packers, it's just what are the quick little notes in my head? Rogers left, so the Packers are screwed, and they got this guy Jordan. It's not going to work. Again, he doesn't even know how he got to that point. It just oozed into that point. And so, yeah, what, what happens? You get these preconceived notions. Anytime something comes up, it just oh man, look at that! They, they, they the head coach said he's he's learning and improving. You're improving still? Oh my goodness, you're you're going to be a disaster. This is horrible. It all just is, and and it's funny because it's 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 worse than just him finding data, which is garbage data, and using it to support his opinion. He's actually using it to amplify his opinion. I already had a low opinion. Now I have a really low opinion. Like all this does is barely support your garbage notion to begin with. So you're just you should just be trying to support your argument, but you're not. You're you're using it as additional information. You don't even have the first pile of information. You have no information to start with. 
But in his mind, he does. I've already got information that says it's going to be a disaster. Jordan Love's going to be bad. Oh, my goodness. Look at this. They said Jordan Love's looking great. He's getting better. I, I He must be trash. Like He's worse than I thought. This is horrible. He's going to be horrible. I mean, it's it's crazy that that's how that works, but that does seem to be how it works. I don't know how else to explain it. Because, again, you can say, well, he's just a, a clickbait artist, but it's not just him. It's It's everybody out there. Ask a random Patriots fan. They have the exact same thought process. So it's not like everybody's rational and Colin Coward is like, ooh, how can I just get clickbaity? This is just how people's minds work. And and for a lot of people, it's just shorthand. For Packers fans, we're immersed in it. So we've been thinking about it. But for a random Miami Dolphins fan, it's like, oh yeah, Rogers left. That team's going to be garbage. Anyway, so we don't have to worry about them anymore. What else do we got here? When we get to the, the Super Bowl, maybe we got to worry about this team and that thing. They don't care. And they're not going to put in any more thought to it. And I kind of think that that's what's happening. And again, he can switch on a dime no matter what. It doesn't really matter. But his very quick shorthand, how can I cover 32 teams at once? What do we know? Let me go through my notes. Uh, Rogers left. Uh, team's bad. Uh, okay, we got these four articles. Ooh, it looks really bad. Okay, all right, I got it. Let's. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about it. Let's go. We'll, we'll, we'll do it live. And that's it. That's how you get this garbage product. And then everybody watches it. It's a it's a freaking miracle. Uh, do, 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 do. I feel like we should do one more. So let's do one more. Daniel from Carol, California, what's up? Hey, Ryan, Daniel from California. Ryan, I got a problem. Um, Sorry. I'm too optimistic on Luke Musgrave. Yeah, I have I'm been playing underdog fantasy, and I single-handedly have been moving his uh, the first average <laughs> draft position up. Yeah. When I first started doing those drafts, he was around 32. He's all the way at, uh, that's a tight end 32. Hmm. Now he's at tight end 24, and I, I have more than 30 of those leagues, a bunch of the $3 or $4 and $5 ones. And you draft him in every league. A couple league. of the bigger ones, but I have him in over 70% of my leagues. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it's been my next highest guy is Christian Watson at 30%, but over that many leagues, that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of Luke Musgrave. Yep. Am I doing something wrong? I know you're not the fantasy guy, but that's right. a lot of Luke Musgrave. Yeah. I think I believe, though. He just did an end around with him in uh, practice, so you know, what does that tell you? That's all I got. Go back, go. Yeah, again, I'm, I, I can't tell you where he should rank among tight ends, but I, I really don't. I mean, sometimes you're just right about this stuff, right? People are too low on him. That happens to me every time I do fantasy. When I draft and, and whatnot, there's always like a guy or two guys or whatever that I constantly draft, and I don't usually feel bad about it. I probably should. It probably means I'm wrong, but that's the point. If you're just going to do what every, all the experts say, then you might as well just have the robot freaking auto draft for you and just not have any fun. So, I mean, yeah, reassess it, see what you're really thinking. The one thing that I mentioned, I think it's on tomorrow's podcast or whatever, but uh, Matt LaFleur made some kind of a comment about they're really trying to, you know, essentially force feed Luke Musgrave because they want to get him caught up to speed because he's going to be, you know, obviously relied on pretty heavily for the offense. So it kind of got me thinking, are they going to dial it back once the season starts? But I don't think so. I mean, he's going to be our primary receiving tight end. He's obviously open all the time anyways. Why would we just stop doing that? That doesn't really make sense. So, And then, you know, again, there's there's not that many great tight ends out there. Um, I mean, he may be in sort of a pile. I don't know. You know, again, I'm, I'm not doing the fantasy thing, so I haven't really looked at it. He may just be in this sort of pile of, 
eight or 10 guys below the premier guys that, that get, I don't know, four or five, 600 yards in a season. But I, I, I do think he has a lot of potential. And I think as things are going right now, it's very possible. He is the, uh, the most receptions on the team. You know, we talked about what it, could it have been Watson or Aaron Jones or Romeo Dobbs. And, you know, at this point, I mean, I kind of feel like it's between Jones, Dobbs and Musgrave are like the top three Watson. It just seems like, from what we've seen so far, I mean, there, there's a there's a good connection there, but it's not as just like Dobbs again, Dobbs again, Dobbs again, or Musgrave, Dobbs. You know, it's just this constant feeding. And then I mentioned Jones because he's he was like top two or three, and he probably usually is anyways. And if the ball gets spread out enough, he's going to end up with the most targets, receptions, whatever. Plus, with all the underneath throws, it's entirely possible. But um, no, I just I think he's going to play a massive part of the the offense, and so. Um, I don't know where you have him compared to other guys, but I would not have any issue with um, sort of overranking Musgrave above what the consensus is. Because I know he's been moving up the boards. At least that's what I've been hearing. I think a lot of the Packers team has. And uh, so you just get out in front of that. You know, the more people learn about the how much Musgrave is being used, the more they're going to start moving him up, and you'll already have Musgrave in your league. So. Anyways, phone lines are open. I'm going to give you guys 30 seconds to call in if you feel uh, the need to do so. I should probably change this from call the Packernet voicemail. I had that from a previous thing to call call in to the show, Packernet or whatever. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you guys coming to hang out. Please, if you're uh, in the Facebook group, just make sure you're subscribed, which I guess you already are. And YouTube, please like the video. Please subscribe. If you're on Facebook, come over to YouTube, please. Just subscribe for me. Do me a favor, even if you don't use it, because I'm, I'm working on trying to build that up a little bit. So I uh, appreciate all the support, and we will get out of here. Goodbye. Goodbye.